Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Grow in Knowledge podcast. I am Misty Umholtz, and my goal is 2 Peter 3.18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, because whatever we apply ourselves to in life is what we will become better and stronger in. This is true for anything in life, and it certainly applies to the Bible, our faith, and spiritual matters. May you be blessed and challenged as you listen. Hello, everyone. This is part two of the Armor of God. I am not going to review part one, so this lesson will make more sense if you listen to that one first. Let's jump right into our fourth piece of armor in Ephesians 6.16. It says, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. One of the Greek words, Greek root words for take is used severely, repetition, intensity. This is how we are to deal with the wicked one, severely with repetition and intensity. It is not a joke, nor do you ask him to leave kindly. That will not work. We view him as our enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. What happens if we don't take our shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil? Fiery in Greek means to be ignited, to be inflamed with anger, grief, or lust, to burn, be on fire, or try. Darts in Greek is a missile, spear, or arrow. Does the devil sound like a friendly foe? Notice this said, above all, take your shield of faith, meaning this is the most important piece above all to stop the devil from his attacks. The specific missiles, spears, or arrows he is launching at us are anger, grief, and lust to try to burn us up by fire. There are a lot of things in this world that can cause us anger, grief, and lust. We need to recognize them as from our enemy, not God. Let us not be ignorant of his methods and trickery. You know what the Bible says our arrows are? Psalms 127, 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. This word used for arrow in Hebrew means almost the same thing it does in Greek. And this makes sense. If the enemy knows that our arrows are our children, Why do you think he goes after them so hard? And if his methods of trickery are anger, grief, and lust, that is what he is shooting at our children. So what will stop him? Our faith. Remember what faith means? It is the Greek word pistis, fully persuaded. We don't just hope and wish. We know our God and his word are the absolute truth that we are standing on. And we believe it in our hearts, no matter what, no matter what our feelings are, opinions are, experiences are, or what we're seeing going on in the physical realm. We live by faith 
not by sight. Our faith in God is our shield. It is how we stop the enemy's missiles and methods from getting to us and our children. We use our faith, our shield of faith, to protect ourselves and our children. And then we teach them and train them how to have their own shield of faith. Something else interesting to point out about this passage is in verse 5. Let me go back up to it. It says, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Full of what? Arrows. They will not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. If the enemy can clearly see the number of our sharp, sharp arrows, it is just our words that we use to defeat him. And not our own words, but God's word. We will see how his word is our sword and our weapon in a minute. First, let's look at how God is our shield. Deuteronomy 33, 29. The Lord is your protecting shield and your triumphant sword. Your enemies will cringe before you and you will stomp on their backs. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one. God's way is perfect all the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. David writes a lot about God being a shield. And he was talking about the literal sense because he was constantly at war with people. Psalms 3.3 But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head up high. Psalms 5.12 For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Psalm 710, God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. Psalms 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. Psalms 18.35, you have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Psalms 84, 11. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Psalms 91, 4, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Our shield is our faith that is in God alone. This is the only piece of armor that is described as ours. Even though God gives us our faith and he fills us all with the same measure of the faith of Jesus Christ, if you remember learning about it from our lesson on faith last semester, he is also the initiator and completer of our faith. But the in-between time is up to us. We either grow our faith strong or let it remain weak. 1 John 5, 4 for every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Romans 3.22 We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. 
Galatians 3.26, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 16.13, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. 2 Corinthians 1.24, Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. Colossians 2.7, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. 1 Timothy 1.14, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.19, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hebrews 12.2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. 1 Peter 5, 9, stand firm against him, the devil, and be strong in your faith. This piece of armor is up to us. It is our responsibility to grow our faith strong in him and in his word. We either take our shield of faith or we don't. It is our faith that is our shield to stop the enemy's missiles and methods against us. Our faith belongs to us but it is placed in God and in his word alone. Our fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. And what does a helmet do? It protects the head. And what is in our head? Our brain, which is where our mind and our intellect and our thoughts are. Jesus put it on in Isaiah 59, 17. It says, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua, something saved. That is deliverance, aid, victory, prosperity, health, helping, welfare. And you heard me correctly. Sounds almost exactly to Yeshua, the Hebrew name for Jesus. There's only one letter difference, which makes sense because how do we get our salvation? Through Jesus. Jesus is our helmet of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Psalms 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalms 37.39, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. Psalm 62.2, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Zechariah's prophecy about Jesus in Luke 1.77 says, you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 1 Thessalonians 5.9, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The helmet of salvation that covers our head is from Jesus Christ. We receive this as a free gift 
from him. He is our salvation. We need to line up our thoughts with him and what he says is true in his word. This is what protects our heads. The absolute truth found in Jesus, who is our salvation. Our last piece of armor says to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I'm personally glad he explained what the sword of the spirit is for us. Otherwise, we might get some wacky teachings about what we might think this is. Now we can clearly see that our weapon in the spiritual realm is what Jesus exemplified for us when Jesus, sorry, when Satan came to tempt him in the desert, when he had been fasting for 40 days and was weak, all Jesus did was quote scripture at the devil and he left him. It reminds me of this verse, James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We submit to God by lining up our lives and thoughts and hearts under what God's word says is the absolute truth. Then who does it say is supposed to resist the devil? Is that God's job or our job? That is our role and responsibility. Satan has to obey the word of God in the name of Jesus. They are one and the same. Jesus is the word made flesh. John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus and the Word of God are synonymous, but we are the ones who have to use the weapon God gave to us to defeat our enemy. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen to these verses describing Jesus. Isaiah 49.2 And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Revelations 1.16, he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Revelations 19.15, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. Then we have this verse about us as the church in Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Overcame who? The devil. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. The way we use our spiritual weapon in our spiritual battle is through our mouth. We need to ask ourselves, are the words that we are speaking, are our own words? or words of other men, which are full of death and cursings, complaining and negativity? Or are we speaking the words of God that are full of life and blessing and hope and peace and promises and the truth? Romans 3, 4, indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. This takes faith. 
We don't base our words on our own feelings or opinions or even by what we see going on in the physical realm. We base the weapon of our words on the absolute truth of the word of God until we see it come to pass. Jesus in the word is our weapon, but it is up to us to use this weapon to defeat the enemy or not. We are the ones who have to take it. God doesn't do it for us. As I wrap up, after all of this description of our armor that we're supposed to be living in, Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 18a, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. There are a couple of points um, about this verse I would like to make. First, how is it that we can pray in the spirit? Well, one of the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues. The baptism of the Spirit is meant for power and boldness. The gift of tongues is used for prayer and personal benefit. I taught on this in the Holy Spirit Part 2 podcast. I keep mentioning it in our series this semester because it is something that is missing in the church at large in the body of Christ. I show you in scripture how this is a separate occurrence than our salvation conversion and how even Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit for his ministry on earth and how the first church needed it to be able to fulfill their great commission. And today we have the same great commission they did. So this is something we need also. Second, I would like to point out that this is listed at the end of all the other things we're supposed to be clothed in to protect us and to defeat our enemy. How many of us Christians sit around complaining that it feels like God isn't answering our prayers? God is never at fault for anything that goes wrong in our lives. He is perfect and holy and just and righteous. He is our good God and good father who gives us good things and he never changes. John 10, 10, and 11, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In the Greek, it is saying that Jesus gives us life here on this earth, not just in heaven one day. If our prayers seem to not be working, we need to evaluate first. Are we clothed and living in the armor of God? All of this armor that we're supposed to be wearing and standing in and abiding in was also defined in the Greek as a covenant. God's grace through Jesus Christ provides our new covenant. And that is the victory we now have over our enemy. God did his part. By giving us Jesus and the word, who is our armor of protection and victory. It's up to us to put him on and live in him and use the defense of our faith as our shield from the enemy's methods and trickeries. We use the word of God as our weapon to defeat him. We stand on top of him with our feet shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our hearts are covered with Jesus' righteousness and our minds with his salvation. Our waists are tightened and held together with the absolute truth of him. Notice that this protects every part of us except for our backside. 
I'm going to leave that thought there right there for you for a minute to think about. All of us is protected on the front, but none on the back. Jesus gave us himself as our armor. It's up to us to stand in it and live in it as we clothe ourselves in him and in his word. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We cannot have victory unless we first have knowledge of what and who provided our victory for us. What we don't know can hurt us. 1 Corinthians 15.57 But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How is this? Zechariah 4.6 Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. As I wrap up, my prayer for you is from Philippians 1.27 Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Goodbye for now.